0: This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. We love our Bible at Nova Church. You don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen behind me in just a moment. Um, But Philippians chapter 4. We're going to unpack the scripture today and believe we're going to leave here uh, more excited about God's plan to help you. If you're wondering what the goal of this service is, is, encourage you. Leave here encouraged. Leave here with more hope, more joy, more peace, more in love with Jesus, knowing that you can do it. You can do it. Uh, I feel more like a cheerleader than a critic. I want to be a cheerleader. Come on, somebody, for our city, for our families, for your marriage, for your singleness. I, I believe we can cheer people on, and we're going to unpack some scripture today and believe we're going to encourage you. Philippians chapter 4, going to start reading in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We're going to read a few verses, and we're going to unpack this in the next uh, 30 minutes, uh, and believe you're going to be encouraged today as we leave here and take on our week. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Old version, another version says, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. It's saying the importance of this. It says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. The author here is putting the importance on. I just need you to know this. This is more than an exclamation mark. This is bold. We're moving from uh, Helvetica font to something bolder. We just need you to know right now that this is important, that you need to know rejoice. Listen, we don't need a reason to party. We should be the the people that party the most. Why? Because we have the joy of the Lord. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. My bank account didn't give it. My bank account can't take it away. Come on, somebody. It's the joy of the Lord. It's different than happiness. Happiness is based on external circumstances, based on what's going on around you. But joy of the Lord is different. It's more than an attitude. It's an atmosphere. It's a lifestyle. It's a relationship knowing that you're right with God. God has a plan with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. When you have that kind of relationship, there is a joy that'll wake you up and tuck you in. It's the cream in your coffee. It's the sprinkles on your donuts. Come on, somebody. There is joy of the Lord. Shout out to Department 3. Vandal Donuts are back. We're so excited. It might not be sprinkles on your donuts. It might be bacon on your donuts. I won't judge. Just a little. The joy of the Lord, I say it again. Verse 5. Let let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. If you're wondering why we give as a church to people, that's why. We're considerate. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Verse seven. And then you will experience God's peace. This peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That verse is so good, I'm going to read it again. Then you will experience, not just see it, not just read about it, not just Google it, You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Today, for the next few minutes, allotted to me, I want to talk on this topic. If you're taking notes, write this down. Notes, never forget. Anything and everything. Look at your neighbor and say, anything and everything. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? (laughs) If you're on the podcast right now, you need to understand there was an overwhelming shout-out from the church. No, we're not smarter than a fifth grader. We're good-looking people, but we're not the brightest. Uh, are you smarter parents? Are you smarter than your kids? I thought I was until they started bringing homework home. It changed in grade three. That's when I realized I got problems. See, high school was a long time ago, and my, my son and daughter, my son's in grade nine, my daughter's in grade six, and, and they start bringing their homework home, and I realized I'm not smarter than a fifth grader or a sixth grader, or a grade nine, like, the math, I don't know if they changed, did they change math? I don't know what they did. They changed math. I'm like, you don't even need that. We got Google now. Like, you don't even need teachers. I apologize right now, but I'm just, like, we have a calculator for, have you seen your iPhone? It can do everything. I can find out what X equals now if I just Google it. I don't even know what it is, but they start bringing home this stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, give me the history in English, and then they're into English and into uh, um, all the stuff and grammar. And I'm like, I don't even. Let's go back to history. I know history. I, I know. gym. I was good in gym class. Where are my gym class people? Come on, somebody. Yes, the shuttle run, the 12 minute run. These are my people. I could do gym. I remember when I was smarter than my kids. My daughter, she's so witty and, and bright, but my daughter would come to me. Always, we had these arguments and competitions about who loved each other more. Right? And I'm like, I love you so much. She goes, I love you more. She used to have a speech impediment. She goes, I love you more. And I'm like, oh, I love you more. Right? And she's like, I love you. And she'd think of a number, the biggest number she could think of. She'd I love you 31. <laughs> I'd be like, I love you 32. She's like, oh. Right? She said, I never thought about 32. Right, right. And then she'd go on, and she'd start learning more numbers. The older she gets, she goes I love you. She'd come home with a new number. I love you 100. I'd be like, I love you 100 plus one. She's like, oh, man, I, for, I forgot about the plus one, right? She'd get older, she'd say, I love you a million. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love you a million plus one. <laughs> she'd come back, I love you a billion. I love you 100 million, hundreds, thousands, millions, ever, eternity, forever. And I'd be like, yeah, all that plus one. She could never win, Whenever, whatever she gave me. she go, well, plus two. I'd be like, well, plus three. And then we start going again. I remember when I was smarter than my kids. You know, what's interesting is I thought in life, i see my kids grow and what they know and information, age that we're living in, information's at the touch of our fingertips. It's amazing how much we know now. There's information on anything. You can Google anything. You can learn anything. You can YouTube anything. I thought the older I got and the more I learned, the easier life would be. I honestly thought the more that, that that as life went on it would get easier the more I learned and understood and that's not true Sometimes you need to know this. Sometimes you're in your teens or your 20s. And you're thinking when I get to this stage, life will be easier. I've realized life is not easier the more I know, the older I get. I thought when I was in my teens, if I can just get through my teen years, in my teen years, who am I? What do I what am I the funny person? Am I not? Am I am I loud? Am I quiet? Working through my personality and and, and, and changes of life and figuring out my own beliefs and values and personality and, and 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 likes and dislikes. I remember thinking, if I can just get through my teens. Man, life will be easier then. Then your 20s, you're thinking, if I can just figure out what job I wanna do. If I can just, man, I see people with their career thinking they've got it made, man. They figure out what they wanna do. Because you wanna freak out a high school student that's in grade 12, a guy, ask him what he's gonna do with his life. Girls know when they're like 12, right? But guys are like, ah, I wanna be able to grow facial hair. You know, they don't even know, right? They're just like, I don't know. In my 20s, I thought when I figure out my job and my career, then life will be easier. Then I thought when I get married, if I can just get married. All the single people are like, I know, you know, like, if I could just get married, you know, to just, if I could just figure that out, if I could just find that person and just have that relationship, if I could just get married, it'll get easier. Then I thought with, if I could just make $30,000 a year. I remember that day when I thought, if I could just make 30000 and then it turned into, if I could just make 40000 you know, come on, somebody. I remember that one salary, it says, if I could just make some money, then, man, I wouldn't have to, like, life would be easier. And then I thought, if I could just get my own house and not pay rent, and it's amazing how the more I learn, the more I grow, life actually gets more difficult. That's why you hear older people always talk about their younger years. The younger people are like, I want to be older, but the older people are like, man, if I could just be a teenager again, man, life was simpler back then. If I could just go back, man, go back to my 20s. If I could just, life was simpler. I used to think the the more I knew, the easier life would get. That's not the truth. Here's the problem. The more we know, the more we understand the less peace we have. It's the absolute truth. The more I learn, the more I know. Ignorance sometimes is bliss. The more I learn, the less peace I have. Like genetically modified food, GMO, is that what they call it, GMO? I'm just trying to keep up, people. G- There's hormones in our food, and they, they're changing. My wife watched one documentary on this stuff. We haven't had meat and dairy in years because of that one documentary. My wife, wa- we're like, no cheese in our house. My kids smuggle cheese into our house like it's drugs. Hey, 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 come here. Let me look at your eyes. Let me smell your breath. Did you have cheese today? Did you have cheese? Seriously, we'll be at a house party, and there'll be like a cheese platter. And my son's putting it in his pocket. My daughter's like, Dad, Dad, she's sneaking me cheese. I'm like, nothing to see. My wife's like, what's going on? Nothing, nothing at all. We are smuggling cheese into our house. Smuggling meat. My daughter calls fake meat feet. You know that meat substitute? She calls it feet. She goes, what's in that lasagna? Is it feet? I'm like, it's feet. She goes, I don't want it. My wife watched one documentary about the hormones in our food and, and it's changed our life. Why? I have less peace going to the grocery store because I have to go to the, I got to get almond milk and I got to get ground round. I, got, I don't even know if they're real eggs anymore. There is stuff going on in the grocery store. Why? Because the more we know, the less peace we have. It's the same thing with politics. You start watching some documentaries going, is that conspiracy or is that true? And you start realizing there's agendas that, at play and opinions at play and the wrong people in the wrong place can do things that just affect all of us. And the more you know, the more you're like, I don't know if I have peace about this. There's, a, there's stuff going on right now at a government level and economics is the same way. You start hearing things like, you know, they're going to run out of money. They can't pay us retirement funds there, there will be no pension because everybody's aging so quickly and all. And you start realizing the more you know, the less peace you have. Information and education is not the solution for peace because the more I get, the more I feel restless and anxiety. And listen, having peace is a real struggle and it's tougher than ever before. The number one request I hear in conversations, it seems like peace is tougher to get than ever before. So many are struggling with peace. Anxiety, depression, panic. I'll be vulnerable today, even in my own life. This fall was probably the most challenging time of my life with, 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 with peace. I don't know what happened. I was out with my son shopping. I'm not even sure if he knows this, but we were shopping with our family and all of a sudden this panic attack hit me in the middle of H&M. Come on, somebody. Like, like I almost passed out, but I couldn't because my skinny jeans kept me straight up, you know? Like, you can't bend over in skinny jeans. You drop something, you gotta kick it to a curb before you can pick it up, you know? You're... But I'm out shopping with my son before Christmas and all of a sudden this panic hit me. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't thinking about nothing. But all of a sudden I thought I was having a heart attack. Had seven of them in eight days. I thought, what's going on? And I realized this has been a struggle. The more I know, the more I learn, the more I'm responsible for, the more I have to navigate and go through, the less and easy it is to get peace. Can anybody relate in this place? It's a battle for our peace. See, God promises peace need to know this today. The Bible says that God promises a peace that goes beyond all understanding. I like to say it this way. God promises mind-blowing peace. You can't understand it, but you can enjoy it. Listen, if God was small enough for our mind, he wouldn't be big enough for our needs. I believe in education. I believe in studying and learning. But the Bible says his peace is so big and so powerful and so real, it'll blow your mind. It's beyond anything you can understand. That's the kind of peace he promises. We're always in this battle in this moment, aren't we? Is this just a sermon or is this a lifestyle? I think one of the greatest tragedies is to have a kicking, on fire, amazing service on a Sunday morning, but it doesn't translate to our Monday morning. The real test is if this works, is how it works in your life, in your work, in your family, in your school on Monday morning. I want to tell you this Bible is not for services, it's for people. This Bible is not for 35 minutes on a Sunday morning, it's for your bad days and your good days. Listen, if this doesn't work anywhere, it doesn't work everywhere. If you can't put this in your life at the darkest, Toughest moments, throw it out. Why? Because this is never meant to sit in a service. It's supposed to be in our heart and our lives, and you can live your life. Your marriage, your singleness, your purity, your mental health, your financial health, your emotional health, your physical. Listen, the Bible is real in everything, or it's wrong in everything. The Bible says that we have peace in Jesus. So how does that fit in the middle of H&M panic attacks and the stress and anxiety and depression that we're going through? Last week, we talked about fear. God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. The Bible says here in Philippians that he's given us a mind-blowing peace. Today, I want to unpack this scripture for just a few moments. In the time allotted to me, and believe we're going to leave here with some more mind-blowing peace in our life. How many need some mind-blowing peace? Am I the only one in your life, in your finances, in your journey, wherever you are in life? I believe God promises mind-blowing peace. The first thing it says, it says in verse 4 and 5, it says this. It says, always be full of the joy of the Lord. I got that joy, 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 joy down in my... There's the church kids right there. If you know that song, you're a church kid. And this says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. The first thing you need to know, if we're going to unpack this, we're going to have mind-blowing peace, and I'm walking through this myself, is the number f- one thing we need to have is perspective. I saw, I, heard, I saw a preacher named Francis Chan use this, and I'm going to use it today. Perspective. Imagine this rope is your life. It goes on forever. It goes out this door, it goes across the harbour into Dartmouth, it goes across the ocean to, the, to England, it keeps going around the world, it keeps going forever and ever, it actually doesn't, it only goes over there to Shane who's helping me off stage, but imagine it goes forever, this is a timeline of your life, this is your whole life, see, eternity, forever. But life here on earth, the Bible says we are sojourners, travelers. Earth is not our home. The Bible says that that we live forever with God to be absent with the body, which means when we die, if you're right with God, you are present with the Lord. I need to remind you today that our life on earth is just the red part of this rope. See, when I was growing up, we talked about heaven a lot. I mean, we talked about heaven a lot a lot. I think we maybe even talked too much about heaven. Like it, every song was, um, soon and very soon, we will, he's coming back. Every sermon was about, uh, uh, he's coming back. And are you right with, God? we talked about heaven so much. Some people were so heavenly minded, they were no earthly good. But we talked about heaven a lot. I remember in 1994, there was these wildfires in Quebec. Anybody remember this? And it, it changed the sky during noon one day in Halifax. These forest fires changed the atmosphere. And I was shoveling gravel for a man in our church named Lyman Langell. He had me shoveling gravel. I skipped the last day of school of grade 10 or 11. I was shoveling gravel, and all of a sudden the, uh, the sky turned red and orange and weird. It got dark. Birds stopped chirping. Dogs ran for cover. It was, anybody remember this? It was weird. And I'm shoveling gravel going, This is it. God's coming back. It's happening right now. And I remember thinking, "Why am I shoveling gravel, really?" Cuz at that point my arms were exhausted. I'm thinking, "Really? I don't think I need to shovel this driveway. I think I'm done." I was going to I was confessing sins I hadn't done yet. I remember thinking, "God, I just wanted to get married, please, before you came." But I mean, it was scary. I mean, like it was eerie. Like the news, everybody was freaking out, "What's going on?" We used to talk about heaven so much. You know, I don't think we talk about heaven enough anymore. I don't think we talk about heaven em- enough anymore. He says peace starts with perspective. See, this rope is your life. It goes on forever. The Bible says that we are eternal beings, but it says this part on earth, your life, whether you live to be 70 years, 80 years, or a lot less, it's the red part of this rope. Here's what's amazing is perspective reminds you that it's bigger than what you see right now. Isn't it amazing? So many people are focused on this. They make every decision based on this small part of a much bigger perspective, of a much bigger life. And they live their whole life going, I'm going to work really hard right here. And if I save enough, I can live really well in somewhere warm right there. And Every decision is based on the small part of the red part of the rope. Like, Say, oh, they're so focused on if I can just get married, if I can just, and that's important. But they're like, if I can just, and they're obsessed with this one area of a small page, of a small chapter, of a much bigger book of our lives. Listen, the Bible says the first thing is remember the Lord is coming soon. Perspective. It's amazing when I look at this rope and I put it in perspective, how all of a sudden my problems start to shrink. I like flying into Halifax. It's amazing when I'm in Halifax and I'm sitting there, in the middle of traffic and my bills and church stuff and relationships, my life is overwhelming. And every time I fly back into Halifax, I'm always reminded how small our city is. You ever fly in you're like, where is it? Where is it? It's like water, water, land, 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 land. That's Halifax? From the air, it's like, that's our city? That's the traffic jam? That's the stress? That's the controversy? That's where the pressure is? That's what the city I'm trying to win? That's the city? It, looks, it looks very manageable from the air. Man, we can reach a city. Every time I fly, I'm like, Halifax is takeable for Jesus. We can be a church of influence. When I get down in Barrington Street in traffic, when I'm on the bye high, come on somebody, in the middle of traffic, I'm like, this is too big. But when I get some perspective, it's amazing how it changes my attitude. I want to encourage you today. The Bible says that we are eternal beings, that life will go on for eternity and the life we have now. But what's amazing is what we do in this part affects the rest. The decisions we make right now in these parts, as a teenager, figuring out your values and how you're gonna be in your 20s, where you're gonna put your passions of life and how you're gonna live in your 30s, raising your kids in 40s and in your retirement. What we do here echoes through eternity. And I'm realizing in my life with perspective, it starts with, with peace. It starts with the right perspective going, you know what? As I you got put this in perspective. This conversation isn't that big of a deal. That bill will pass. This stage of life, it's important, but it's not everything. And the first thing the Bible says is, remember, remember, Jesus is coming soon. My friend, there is more than what we see. There's more than your bills and your career and our savings and our kids and the clothes we wear and the coffee in our hallway. It's important, but it's not everything. It's a part of a much bigger picture. I want to remind you today, have some perspective. That there is more to life, and life, though good, is short. Another passage of the Bible calls it a vapor, like that, like that, that when you see your breath on a cold day in Canada, and it's there for a minute and then it's gone. That's the way the Bible describes our life. It's there, and then it's gone. And our life and our city was reminded of that this week. Life is very short, but what we do in this life echoes through eternity. But we must keep it in perspective. Divine peace starts with divine. Perspective. It goes on this, it says in verse 6, talking about how to get mind blowing peace in your life today. It says this, it says, don't worry about anything. What does anything mean? What's included in anything? Anything. Define anything. Well, it's anything. Well, what about this? Well, that's anything. So don't worry. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. We worry about things that we may or may not be able to control, but it's almost like this right here. I've brought this very high-financing illustration of a garbage can, and I put the word anything on it. And I'm reminded in my life when I'm struggling and walking through peace and life that when things come up and I want to worry, I want to dump it and it says, don't worry about anything. This is the worry bucket. Well, what fits in the worry bucket? Anything. Man, I'm going to figure out these finances, and I... I worry about my finances, I worry about my kids, I worry about health. After this week you're you're worried about safety, you're worried about your your family. It doesn't take much all of a sudden to realize that anything can be worried about at any moment. What's that lump on my my back? Why do I feel that way? What what's what's that noise in the car? Why did they look at me that way? They didn't respond to my text in Time. I wonder what the bosses are talking about behind closed doors. Uh, is why is my spouse disconnected? And all of a sudden, anything that comes to mind we worry about, it says don't worry about anything. It's amazing to me that that you can't worry and have peace at the same time. The Bible says don't worry about anything. Things that you're stressed about, anxious about, anything. I heard one person say this: worry is a misuse of imagination am I the only one that you, you worry about things that never happen? I, I have escape plans for everything. I, I, I have backup plans. I worry about things that will never, ever happen. I think about things all the time. I'm working through things. Why? And what happens is my imagination, which God gave us, to write songs, write books, to build churches and businesses, God gave us an imagination to learn how to love on our kids and speak their language. And imagination is God. God is the most creative being in the history of forever. And his spirit lives in us. I think the church should be creative. We should have the best songs and best books. I think we should have uh, the most creative elements in church. Church should not be boring. God is not boring. His church should not be boring. This is not a boring church. We're not building it on creativity. We're building it on God, but we can't help but be creative. Why? Because we believe in imagination. But worry is a misuse of imagination. Yeah, yeah but what if that person gets elected and then the economy goes a certain way? Well, what if? What if that happened? I don't know. Like, what if my kids get to a certain age and they don't wanna, what if my spouse, what if I, that person, got, what if I get sick and what if I have to take time off? And all of a sudden, we start imagining things and we put it in the worry bucket. And the Bible says the first step to divine mind-blowing peace's perspective, but the second thing it says, don't worry about anything. Yeah. How many know that's easier said than done? Yeah, Have you realized that yet? It's wasted energy. Worry is wasted energy. We all want peace, but we won't get it with worry. But it's amazing we still do that. Ah, just I'm, we call it venting. We call it fretting. We call it worry. We're just I'm worried. The Bible says, don't worry about anything. We're not going to get mind-blowing peace by worrying. So what do we do? It says goes on in verse 6, and it says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, the next step in mind-blowing peace, number one, is perspective. Put things in their place. Second thing is don't worry about anything. But the author doesn't leave there. God doesn't leave us there because, you know, it's hard not to think about something. Just because someone tells you not to think about it, like, don't think about oranges. You're thinking about oranges right now. Don't worry. Well, that's easier said than done. Don't worry about my kids. Don't worry about my my marriage or my singleness. Don't worry about my health. Don't worry about my finance. It's easy to say it, but that's not going to solve anything. But the path to mind-blowing divine peace, the Bible says, it says pray about everything. Well, what fits in the everything bucket? Everything. You know, it's amazing. These two words are complete in themselves. What fits in Anything. Anything. But what fits in everything? Everything. You know, it's amazing that anything can go into everything very easily. Right. There's a picture painted here where the author's trying to help us understanding that the more we know, the more we're in this faith journey, it is not easy. Listen, if Christianity is easy, you're in the wrong faith because Christianity is not easy. Some of you maybe came to church and thought, my life will be better if I come to church. No, no, your life gets more complicated. It gets harder. It gets, it gets more rewarding. It's more valuable. I believe it's more purposeful, but it ain't easy. If you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. But what's amazing is if I start taking my worry from anything and start moving it to prayer for everything, something starts to change in my life. You can't worry and worship at the same time. It's impossible. It's impossible. And somewhere as a church, somewhere in my life in your life, we need to start making that journey from worrying about anything and start praying about everything. Well, I don't know if that prayer is worth going to God for. It's amazing. He said everything, not the big things, not the spiritual things. If, if it's enough for you to worry about anything, the same thing, you can pray about everything. The things that you used to worry about, it'll probably never come true, but I am worried about that. Have you seen my investments? Have you, have you seen the way they look at me? I don't know. I'm just worried about that school. I'm worried about their safety at school. We had one of our students in a lockdown this week at Dartmouth High. It's very easy to worry when your kid's involved. But the Bible says in the middle, if it's important to you enough to worry about, it's important enough for God to take it. It says, pray about everything. It says, pray about everything. The author goes on and he unpacks the verse. because here's how you pray. I want to encourage you today. Some of you, you're dealing with a lack of peace, anxiety, depression. You're dealing with some stress. We try not to say the word stress or busy in our home because I believe words have power. I learned this from a friend out west. He said, we don't say we're busy. We say life is full. We don't say we're stressed. We say we're stretched. uh, How's life? It's pretty stretching right now. How's your schedule? It's pretty full. Why? Because full sounds a lot more positive. Why? Because if you say you had a full weekend, oh, what'd you do? You went skiing? Did you have a birthday party? What'd you do? Right. I think I realized the more I say I'm busy, the more I feel busy. The more I say I'm stressed, I've never felt better once saying I'm stressed. I get more stressed. I start thinking, and I start worrying about more things. But I believe that as we start to bring it to God in prayer, the author goes on and says, how do you pray? He says, first of all, he says, ask God. See, see, this is where it got to move from a Sunday morning service into our life. This has to work in your car on the drive to to work. This has to work at your cubicle at the office. This has to work at the kitchen table. This works in the shower when you're worrying. This works at your darkest alone moment. In that moment, you need to make a shift. You need to make make a turn and stop worrying and start praying. My friends, a shift has to happen if you want divine, mind-blowing peace. The Bible says that, he says, when you pray, first of all, ask God. What do you ask God about? Everything. Yeah. Heard someone say this if you, don't, if you don't pray about everything, you're not probably praying about anything. The little things, well, that's not really, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on a card to pray for at church, but it's important to me. If it's important to you, it's important to God. That's why he said everything. He didn't say, you know, the big things. You know, when you're married, then you pray. When you got kids, you know, then you pray. When you're about to retire and you got some money, then, you no, know, he says, pray about everything. I want to encourage you. What's causing you to be stressed today? What's your anxiety about? Is it your career? Is it your relationship status? Is it your singleness? Is it your marriage? Is it your health today? I'm reminding myself that when I want to live in worry land and I want to start dumping anything into this, I don't know what's going to happen, and all of a sudden I find myself far from divine peace, God says, I want you to make a U-turn and start heading over to prayer and say, God, I need you to take. He says, first, ask God. It says, knock and he will answer. It says, ask and you will receive. He's as close as the mention of his name, that from your lips to God's ear, everything is possible. It says, when you pray, first ask. And then it says this, and then give thanks. My friends, if you want to know what prayer is, prayer is not a formula. Prayer is not this this ritual. Prayer is not something you have to grow and learn. You can learn to pray, but in, in its simplest form, prayer is asking and thanking. This is what it looks like. God, I need you to help my kids. I need you to help my teenagers. And God, I thank you that you've helped us this far. I thank you that you gave us kids. I thank you that they're healthy and they're growing. I thank you that they love you and they love us. God, I thank you. But I ask you, God, would you help them through their teenage years as they start making directions on their own purpose and their own calling, as they figure out relationships and personality, as they work. God, I'm asking that you would be, but God, I thank you that they're brilliant. I thank you that you've been with us so far. And when we pray about everything, we ask and we thank, and a miracle starts to happen. We start asking and thanking. Can I encourage you today? God wants to give you mind-blowing peace. The kind of peace that goes beyond all understanding, that goes beyond the economy, beyond the environment, beyond the situation you're in. People go, I don't understand. Why are you so chill? Why do you have peace? Because my peace wasn't found here. You didn't give me my peace, and you can't take it away. Worry is a bottomless pit that you can't help but keep throwing anything in, and it never gets better. But when you start to pray... The Bible says he hears and he answers and a miracle starts to happen and peace starts to overtake us. What are you worried about today? What's the anything in your life? As we start to move it over to the everything, a miracle starts to happen. It says he's the God of mind-blowing peace. You can bring it to Jesus in prayer, not to yourself in worry. A miracle starts to happen. Verse seven, it says this, It says then, once you move, number one, you get perspective. Understanding that what you're in is temporary. It matters, but it's temporary. Some of you, you're singleness. You're You're thinking about your singleness and marriage, and I know it's a big deal. But put it in perspective today. The choices you make today. Some people don't do something about your singleness. Do something with your singleness. How many times? I've been in this long enough. People did something about their singleness, and on the other side of marriage, they're thinking, I think I made a mistake. I believe in marriage, and I believe, but I believe in purpose, and God has a purpose for your life. If we make decisions with eternity in mind, it changes what you value, changes what you do, changes how you spend your money and your time, and with perspective, we make better decisions. Yeah. Then it says, don't worry about anything. I need to stop worrying in my mind, and it says, start to pray about everything. And then it says in verse 7, here's the promise that God makes us. In a world that needs peace so much, it says this. It says, then you experience. I like that word experience. We call our Christmas experience. We're going to have an Easter experience. Why? We believe when you walk into something, you shouldn't just watch it. You should experience good music you experience. Am I the only one that sings the top of my lungs in their car by themselves? Am I the only one? I can't sing in public because you've heard me sing. But when I'm by myself, oh, it's a solo. I got America's Got Talent, I got the Grammys going on, I'm just, I got dance moves, I'm just, I got the whole thing. And then when I come to the red light, I go back to be behaving. And then I pull up, why? Because I want it, good music makes you experience. A good book, you can't put down, why? Because you experience it. A good movie, you're lost for two hours, why? Listen, I believe that's why the Bible says experience peace. Not watch it, well that's good. I see that you have it. Experience. Overtakes your anxiety and your depression. Overtakes the things that are worrying you. It says experience peace. Which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 6. Here's what you need to know today as the worship team comes back. This is prophecy before Jesus was born to Mary. They were already telling his story saying this is who's coming. A savior's coming. Hope's coming. Hope's coming. He's coming to rescue us. He's coming and start talking about him in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It starts off with, for a child is born to us. He wasn't born yet, but they're prophesying it and mentioning it. Why? Because time in eternity, and you see the perspective in just a moment, in just a few hundred years, he's coming. It says, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, on his shoulders. We'll rest on him by the seashore. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. I'm so thankful for medical counselors. I'm so thankful for therapy. I'm so thankful for doctors. But there is a one. The one that made you is a Wonderful Counselor. Do you ever notice that counselors listen more than they talk? Sometimes you just need to know God's listening. If you're at the worry well, he says, bring it over to the everything. Let me listen to you. I'm the wonderful counselor. Come on, unpack your heart and your pressure. It says he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father. Please don't miss this. He's a prince of peace. That rhymes, it sounds poetic, the prince of peace, it flows off. You gotta understand what the Bible's saying there. Princes were put in a place to rule. They had authority. The prince of Wales, has authority in the United Kingdom. The prince of different governments and nations have authority in that area. When he calls him and himself the prince of peace, what he's saying is, I have authority and I govern over the kingdom of peace. That means where I rule has to be peace. Please don't miss this. That means when you bring everything to Jesus in prayer, You're stepping into his kingdom, where he has authority. He's just not a a man on a cross, on a chain. He's just not something we sing about. He actually has power and governing ability. He is large and in charge, and his kingdom is peace. And when you bring it over to everything, you step into the land of peace. He's the prince of peace, which means he has authority over peace. He governs over peace. Peace is his kingdom, and where he rules, peace follows. I wanna encourage you, bring everything and anything to Jesus. But he can only decree peace over what you divulge. He can only decree what you divulge. He can only rule peace what you bring to him. If you bring it to worry, he has no jurisdiction over that. But when you bring it, what you divulge, what you decree and what you divulge, he will decree peace over what we divulge. Think about that. When you bring, go, God, I need help with this oh, you need help? Let me put it under where I have authority. I have peace for you. What you divulge, he will decree. He can only govern what we give him. That's why when you give your life to Christ, what you're saying is, I need you to lead me. I want you to govern me. I want you to help me. You're the ruler of my life. I was in charge. I did my own thing. But I repented and changed. I gave my life to you. And now I want you to have rulership and authority over my life. Listen, he can only govern what we give. My friends, if we keep worrying about anything, it'll never change. But if we start praying about everything, God goes, okay, now, now I have authority. I can govern over what you gave me. I got your kids. I got your singleness. I got your finances. I can help your health. Had a woman walk up to me today, go, remember we prayed a couple weeks ago about that lump I was worried about? It's gone. I was like, thank you, Jesus, why? Because what you give, he can govern. And something starts to happen, and this mind-blowing peace starts to come today. Go to him with everything. And then it says, when you have that peace, it'll guard your hearts and your minds. Your mind starts racing. Listen, when you have mind-blowing peace, it guards your minds. Some of you, the mind-blowing peace, some of you haven't slept in a long time with peace. Today, I believe you can have the kind of peace that you can sleep like a baby. It says it'll guard your heart. Some of you, you're offended, you're upset. Your heart's all over the place. You, Your passion's all over the place. You're not consistent in where you're going. When you have the peace of God, it guards your heart and your mind. Something happens with this piece, anything and everything, when you bring it to God under His authority, perspective, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And when you pray, start with asking, God, I need your help. How do you know if you should pray? If it's important to you, it's important to Him. And then thank Him. God, as I'm waiting for you to answer this, I want to thank you for what you've done. God, I'm asking you, would you be a church that's not religious? Would you be a church that would reach our city? Would you be a church of influence, reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the hope of Jesus Christ? But God, as you're working on that, thank you for what we have today. Thank you for the hundreds that show up every single Sunday, faithful in their giving and their worship and and in their passions. God, we thank you that you're gonna help us reach a city, but we wanna just say, God, you've done so much. God, I thank you as you work on my kids and raise them in their teen years. I wanna thank you that you brought them this far. God, as you work on my marriage, thank you, God, that we felt your presence to this point. When we ask and we thank, a miracle starts to happen. It's the mind blowing peace of God that goes beyond all understanding. All over this place, can we all stand to our feet just for a moment? If you bow your head for a moment and you say, Mike, there's some things in my life that I'm worried about, there's some things in the anything bucket. And I realized that I don't have peace. I'm getting more worried. I'm getting more stressed. It seems like there's no bottom to this. I realized today I need to start praying about everything. If peace is a battle you're losing in your life, we're going worship to worship in a moment. We're going to sing. We're going to believe right now for peace to rush. Here's what I want you to do. As we sing this song, I want you to start praying as we sing. Hands up. We're all singing. It might be about your health. It might be about a relationship. It might be your finances. Go, God, I need your help. I need you to help with my direction of my life. I need you to help with my relationship. God, I need you to help me with my physical health. I don't know what that is. Doctors say one thing, but God, I know you can say another. And as you start to pray during this song about everything, I believe a supernatural, the God of promises, has promised peace. A peace is going to rush into your life. You ready for this? Or we can sit here and check a box and go, I'm almost done. Or you can lean in and go, no, no, a miracle needs to happen right now with every head bowed just for a moment, you say, Mike, peace is a struggle in my life. Can you raise your hand real quick and put it right back down? So many in this room. Come on, you ready to pray? We're gonna ask him and thank him as we sing this song. We're gonna worship and bring everything to God. Come on, let's worship together.